Hi, I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions and day four of our ninth week together through the book of Genesis. So that means Genesis chapter 44. It's another chapter on Joseph's family working towards restoration. Now, even as we start this chapter, this is in a section where I'm talking about how do you live out a God-given dream in your life? What does all this family and relationship stuff have to do with living out the dream? I mean, his dream was to rule. It was to rule Egypt. And here Joseph is caught up chapter after chapter. He's dealing with his family. Let me remind you of something. God has another dream for your life. It's going to last longer than the dream that you might have for your life. The dream of a restored relationship. That's God's dream. Now, God puts into our lives dreams for ministries and dreams for businesses and dreams for success. He puts those dreams into our lives. I have no doubt about it. It's evidence throughout the Bible. But God's greatest dream for your life is the dream of restored relationships with God and with others. And so in the midst of whatever dream you're living out in your business or finance or career or ministry, God is always working in our lives toward this greater dream. Relationships in your life, they're not an interruption of the dream. They're part of the dream that God is working out, is living out in your life. And as Joseph and his family are working out this dream, there's an interesting section of Scripture in Genesis 44. It's all about tests. You have Joseph's test and you have Judah's response in chapter 44. I said yesterday that Joseph kept testing the family to see if he could trust the family, to see if the relationship could be restored. And here is the test that he comes up with that we alluded to yesterday in chapter 44, verses 1 to 13. Let me read those verses. Now, Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of the house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to the steward, Go after these men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing that you've done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, we we will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave, and the rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Now, first, in these tests that Joseph had for the family, he gave Benjamin more than anyone else at the meal to try to incite their jealousy because they'd been jealous against him as the youngest. And now he creates this situation where they could easily sacrifice Benjamin to save themselves, even as they sacrificed Joseph to save themselves. They knew, these brothers had to know that Benjamin hadn't stolen this cup because they saw the silver put back into each of their sacks. They'd seen it happen twice now. They knew it, but they could also have easily ignored what they knew in order to save themselves. That is the test that Joseph gives. Here is the response that Judah one of the brothers that Judah has. Verses 14 
And then skipping a few verses down to verse 44. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you're equal to Pharaoh himself. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return to his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. This is a fascinating solution that Judah has. He promises that he himself will stay and become a slave so that Benjamin can go back. He was the responsible martyr in the family, but in this case, Because of that, because of his inclination, he does the right thing. And I want you to notice the difference between the solution that Brother Reuben had back in chapter 42 when Jacob was worrying about sending Benjamin along and this solution that Judah has. Reuben's solution, chapter 42, verses 36 to 38. Their father Jacob said to them, you've deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I don't bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. Oh, that's that's a great offer from Reuben. Instead of putting himself on the line, he says, you can kill my two boys if I don't bring your youngest back. His commitment wasn't about himself, but about somebody else. But here is Judah saying, no, it's me. I will stay. That's a different type of commitment. In fact, you see two different kinds of commitment evidenced here. One kind of commitment, Reuben's kind, is in dramatic words, but Judah's commitment is in real actions. Reuben's commitment is committing others, but Judah's commitment is committing himself. Judah acts in these verses out of this test, and because of this, we're going to find out in the next chapters, Joseph reveals himself, and the family begins to be put back together. But I have a question for you, maybe a very personal question to you and your family and your relationships. Here's the question. How would this story have been different if Judah had not acted? How would this story have been different if they'd left Benjamin there? They'd gone back to their father one more time and said one more time, what could we do? How could we change things? What would have happened to this family? What irredeemable possible thing could have happened in this family's life? But Judah does act, and it makes all the difference in the world. Now, here's the personal question. Where do you need to act? Where do you need to act to make a difference through your commitment? Not committing somebody else, but you yourself making a commitment. Not a commitment just in words, but in genuine actions. You got a family that's falling apart. You can't do, you can't do what everybody else needs to do. You can't forgive if you weren't the one that was hurt. But you can do what God's called you to do. You can sacrifice and serve. You can choose to love. You can make a connection. Maybe it's been a long, long time since you made a connection with someone in your own family. 
You can choose to do what only you can do. And just like Judah, maybe your commitment is the one that's going to turn the whole family. In this case, it was the commitment that turned Joseph to be able to forgive and express forgiveness. Maybe your commitment, God will use it. However, God might use that invitation of your commitment. You know what it is that you need to do. You know who it is that you need to call. You know who it is that you need to serve. You know how it is that you need to let go of something. You know who it is that you need to forgive. What would have happened in this family if Judah hadn't done that? What could happen in your family if you choose to make that commitment? What could happen in your relationships? Maybe somebody not in your family, but a relationship that's broken in your church or with a friend, somebody at work, somebody at school. What could happen in your relationships when you decide, I'm going to be the one who does the godly thing in this situation? I can't live out your commitment, but I can live out mine. Would you just ask Jesus in prayer this simple question? Lord Jesus, what can I do to make a difference in this relationship? Help me not to try to do what I cannot do. I can't take your place. I can't even take the other person's place. Lord, what can I do? How can I communicate? How can I serve? How can I show grace? How can I have courage and faith? How can I stop bowing to the other person's needs always and recognize that, God, it's all about you and not about them? Lord, what can I do to have faith in this relationship? Will you show me, Jesus? And as you show me, would you help me to live out that commitment? Not just to talk about it, not to hope that other people will do it. Help me to live out that commitment. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at what to do when God opens the door to change. (laughs) 